0: raised to you in peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments in every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. So remaining steadfast in evil days, that's the theme for the several sermons uh, starting two Sundays ago. We are living in such unique times compared to just a couple of decades ago and things have escalated even more so just the last several years making life even more challenging for the Christian and many of these changes have come in by stealth so that it's kind of difficult to see them happening. And here's how I summed it up last Sunday that the changes that are among us. What has become ingrained in our society in so many places is the belief and practice that there is no real divine or transcendent truth where God has spoken definitively and clearly on the issues we face today. Instead, each person or each group can decide for himself what his or what the group's truths will be. Even the most basic truths that have been accepted by Christians and even non-Christians alike have been challenged or discarded. And that means Christians especially are being isolated, disdained, and persecuted. So this is Transfiguration Sunday, and our epistle lesson from 2 Peter chapter 1 makes a, con- a connection to where we are in our series right now. So just to read a few verses from that again. Uh, For Jesus Christ received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and here it is, and you will do well to pay attention to it. The word. It is the word alone that calls us, that justifies us, that sanctifies us, that preserves us in the true faith through difficult and evil days. Last week, we began to look at seven helps. And I kind of apologize because I added one more. Now there are eight helps. And, and all of them are connected to this word. Everyone is connected to the word. So last week we covered three. First of all, testing the spirits, uh, comparing what's out there in our culture, no matter where it comes from or who it comes from, comparing it with the word of God. And when there's a difference, when the word of God says one thing and society says something different at odds with the word of God, we stand with the word of God. Prayer was the second help mentioned. We, so many things we can pray for, but the three, three things I mentioned last Sunday were, were we are to pray for wisdom so we can discern and, and test the spirits properly. Pray for wisdom. We are to pray for mercy, not only for forgiveness, but because we have to go out into the world and face these things that are going on today that are so difficult to face sometimes. Lord, help us. And we are to pray, Jesus said, for those who persecute us. Number three is our memories. Putting our memories to good use. The Old Testament believers were to remember, especially the exodus by which they were saved from slavery. Uh, They were also to remember when they rebelled against God after they were delivered. And they didn't do a very good good job of remembering as they should have. Uh, in the New Testament Jesus tells us that we are to remember in the Lord's Supper I pointed out he says when we come to the Lord's Supper to receive his true body and blood we are doing this in remembrance of him so we are to remember everything from his conception by the Holy Spirit to his his life suffering death resurrection ascension and to remember that his upcoming uh, return on the last day and we are to remember that historical life of Christ because only in that historical life of Christ do we find our salvation so keep in our memories the person and the work of Christ but I do want to add some other things to how we are to use our our memories other things we are to remember it's necessary at least to some degree to know and remember history church history, world history Um, It's a little harder these days. Not many people in school are taught good history. But um, there's some kind of very good sayings out there that emphasize the importance of knowing history. For example, those who forget the past are bound to repeat it. And here's the Russian one that I really like. Live in the past and lose one eye. Forget the past and lose both eyes. And this one, those who do not know the past will be slaves to the present. All emphasizing the importance of knowing history. All right, and here's another way to use our memories. We memorize Bible verses. We memorize the small catechism. We memorize even hymns. And of course, some of this is done in confirmation class. We do it at that age because younger people usually have a better ability to, to memorize. Uh, so I remember when I went to confirmation class in my very unorthodox Lutheran Church we didn't have to memorize a thing and that really uh, handicapped me later on when I eventually did memorize the catechism and other Bible verses but it was just harder for me but so we start them young because it's easier usually to remember and memorize these things when one's younger and and we do that because those sections of the catechism help us in the later days when life can be rather challenging. So, you know, every several months my, for devotions, my family will recite the small catechism. And um, you know, once in a while we have to look at the words, but then, okay, yeah, now I remember. But I do encourage you, all of you, to, to do that once in a while in your devotions. Just get out the catechism, try to recite it. If you have to look at the words, fine. Uh, look at the words and, and say them, but uh, they're very much a, an excellent reminder. Same thing with uh, hymns, you know, I've noticed that uh, people who love the hymns and use the hymns, uh, including outside of worship, they're, they're pretty well grounded in Christian faith. And when we think of our hymns, especially our Lutheran hymns, they are there not merely to a means by which we can offer praise to God and and sing about certain things, but they're teaching us as well too. These hymns are teaching us as we sing them. Another use of our memories. You don't have to turn there, but on page five of our hymnry, uh, we have there the seasons, Sundays, and festivals of the church year listed. And the interesting thing about that is that the festivals that are listed include 30 festivals for saints. Uh, it would include the saints who were alive during the apostolic period. You know, so you have to, the apostles. So uh, you have Matthew and Mark, Luke, John. You have. Uh, Paul, of course, you have Mary and Martha, you have Mary Magdalene, you have Mary the mother of Jesus. So we have all these festivals dedicated to these saints. But not only that, you also have saints who, live, who didn't live at the time of the apostles. You, so you have you know, Ambrose, you have Augustine, you have Athanasius. So why do we have these festivals dedicated to these saints? Well, it's because They are excellent examples of people who had to go through difficult times to remain faithful, or they're excellent examples of people who uh, established or restored the truths of Holy Scripture. So they're wonderful examples for us. And we continue to remember others who serve as role models of faithfulness and perseverance. And endurance during difficult times. And we can think of the reformers of the 16th century. Um, I was just reading this yesterday. 13 pastors, back in 1918, refused to go along with a Lutheran merger. Why? Because that merger was compromising the truth of God's word. So they said, "No, we can't. We can't go in with this merger." And that's who we are today. These 13 pastors ended up to be the ELS. And the other church body that merged together, they're the most liberal church body uh, today. One of the top three, you might say, liberal church bodies in the United States. We can also remember other people out there who have shown us that it's important to endure, to face difficult times. Many of you are probably familiar with Jack Phillips, a baker in Colorado, a Christian baker. You know, he's been taken to court three times now. And uh, he simply said in a very respectful way to a homosexual couple, couple who wanted him to bake a cake for their wedding with writing on it, celebrating homosexuality, I said, sorry, I can't do that. My convictions won't allow me to do that. And so they took him to court. And it's finally uh, decided by the Supreme Court, seven to two in, in his favor. But now there was another uh, time when he was uh, accused and that was, didn't go anywhere. But now there's another uh, accusation against him. He's being taken to court again by a man who wants uh, Jack Phillips to celebrate uh, on a cake this man becoming a transgender, going from a man to a woman. And he's saying, sorry, I can't do that. So we'll see where this one ends up, but he's, he's saying I have to stand firm in my Christian faith, and he has. He's been a wonderful example. And we have other examples too. Um, one of our professors at Bethany Lutheran College just went to Denmark to a lecture and he lectured on uh, marriage and the Sixth Commandment in Denmark. And there are four Scandinavian countries. And he pointed out that he may not have been able to say what he said in Denmark in, in the other three Scandinavian countries because of their so-called hate speech laws. That probably definitely would have been the case in Finland. Um, in Finland, we had uh, not too long ago a, a member of parliament and a pastor... Uh, taken to court because of a pamphlet that the one member of parliament who belonged to this Lutheran Church, a pamphlet on the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery, a a pamphlet that described why homosexuality was was not in keeping with true Christian doctrine. And so they were brought to court and uh, for the time being they're safe but the prosecutor is determined still to find them guilty. Now, keep in mind that what this lady wrote, this parliament member wrote in this pamphlet, is exactly what we say in our small catechism and explanation. The exact same thing. But there, it's it's hate speech. But they stood firm. And uh, they're a tremendous example for us. We um, and there's other examples too that I could mention, but I'll I'll skip some of them. We haven't even touched upon many who, in past history, uh, and even now, are are suffering great physical persecution in in many different countries, like China, North Korea, Nigeria, India, Afghanistan churches are literally being burned down to the ground sometimes with people in them uh, people are Christians are being martyred and even today in our society you know even though we don't have this physical persecution like that we do have a, what we might call a soft but very serious and difficult persecution uh, teachers professors students and other workers being fired or silenced or dismissed or canceled because of their Christian beliefs, especially when they have to confess their, their beliefs. You know, others are able to remain silent and, and that's okay. We don't always have to speak out. Uh, and I know some of you are in, in situations like that where you, you are able to remain silent and that's fine and that's good, but we should all be aware that there may come a time when for the sake of loyalty to our God and to Jesus Christ we do have to state the truth which may put us in a very uncomfortable compromising situation but we have to be faithful to Christ and his word and we have to be able to love our neighbor and that brings us to uh, the fourth help So we have this third help, our memories, that we can put to good use in a variety of ways. And the fourth help, though, is opportunities to meditate on the Word of God, the Bible. And this would include your own personal Bible reading. If you are not doing so, make it your goal to read the Bible every day, even if it's just one chapter. If you want to read through the entire Bible in a year or in three years, there are plans you can use uh, to help keep you on task, just ask me, I'll provide you with a a Bible reading guide. Family devotions, whether you use a a devotion book or booklet like meditations or, or just the Bible, you know, have family devotions every day should include prayer. The Lord's Prayer is an excellent prayer to include in your family devotions. And, of course, you can also sing hymns in your your devotions. And there are Bible studies you can attend. I strongly encourage you to attend one or more. And finally, we can meditate on the Word of God when we come here to worship services, but I'll comment on that later on. I'd just like to say, never before in the history of the world has the Bible been so accessible. It's the very Word of God. And in it we see Christ. Christ who is our comfort and our strength and our guide. Sanctify us by your truth. Your Word is truth. So that's the fourth help God has given us. Opportunities to meditate on the Word of God. Number five, mutual conversation and consolation of believers. So, so what is this? It is the support you receive from gathering together with another Christian or Christians outside of the worship setting, especially when that support includes the guidance and comfort of the Bible, whether stated or implied. It's a little hard to, to know when and where th- this happens, but uh, I do believe we have some things among us where this does occur or can occur. You know, Just to take some of the simple things we do. We have our coffee and once a month. We have our meal tonight at the char house that can serve this purpose. We have movie nights once in a while. We had a couple of these fired up campfires for men was good. Um, We have camps for youth. We have informal gatherings at one another's houses for a meal, just for fun. Uh, Some of us have been able to attend Christian talks elsewhere, gather together there. Or it could just be getting together for coffee or glass of wine or a beer with a fellow believer in Christ. Martin Luther uh, alludes to this, the importance of, of these gatherings. So let me read to you a portion of what I have printed out. He said, A faithful friend is a great boon and a precious treasure in any situation of life. Not only because of common dangers in which he can be both an aid and a comfort, but also because of spiritual trials. Even if one's heart is well grounded by the Holy Spirit, it remains a great advantage to have a brother with whom one can converse about religion and from whom one can hear words of comfort. I, for my part, consider the loss of all my possessions less important than that of a faithful friend. When Christ was wrestling with temptation in the garden, we see him seeking comfort among his three disciples. When Paul in Acts 28 saw the brethren coming to meet him, he took courage from the sight and experienced comfort. Loneliness distresses a person who is solitary and deprived of his intimate friends. He can exert himself and struggle against it, but he does not overcome it without great difficulty. Everything is less burdensome if you have a brother with you. For then the promise applies, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Therefore solitude should be shunned, and the companionship of familiar people sought, especially in spiritual perils." So So just gathering together with one or more Christians outside of the sanctuary where there is good and God-pleasing conversation, that can go a long way. But we do have to be careful that they do not turn into gripe or gossip sessions. That would be the opposite of what such conversations and consolations should be. Now, um, I'm going to stop there for today. But because we are A church where uh, the gospel is to be prominent. Uh, Let me just remind you um, why you are here today. You are here because of life out there. And you bring with you your sins and your burdens and your worries and your doubts And what do we find here? We find Christ here. We find in Christ the forgiveness of our sins. And in that forgiveness of sins, we find strength so that we can continue to endure evil days. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.